If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 6. I was going to go over Psalms 139, but I think I'll wait till tonight. Boy, last Wednesday we had a great, great time of preaching on the sanctity of life. I'll be continuing that thought tonight on the sanctification of life. God has set aside your life for a reason. How many are glad that you're alive? Raise your hand. The rest of you, wake up. No, uh, somebody let you live, and God brought life into your soul and breathed life into your soul. And you ought to thank God for your mama letting you live. Amen? You know, one thing that's... Uh, the reason they do Sanctity of Life on this particular Sunday is the anniversary of a terrible day in the United States of America where this lady named McCorvey decided she wanted to have an abortion and they wouldn't let her because it was against the law back then. Amen. Thank God it was against the law. And so she, she said that she was raped and uh, the truth of the matter is she wasn't. And the truth of the matter is the, the, the little boy that she wanted to abort is now alive, and uh, because the court system was so slow, that baby's alive, but millions are not alive because of that day on our Supreme Court. So let's pray that it'll get reversed, because life begins at conception. I'll prove it in Psalms 139, where he says he knew your substance, and he knew you wasn't formed completely, but he knew all about you, amen? I mean, God knew I'd be bald-headed when I was bald-headed as a baby, Amen. And, and knew, uh, knew that I probably needed more brains inside that head. But amen. Knew my characteristics and my personality just needed to be developed. Amen. So uh, the Lord did not cease to be a human in the womb. He was God in the womb. Amen. So anyway, I hope you believe right on that. And uh, I hope you vote against anybody that believes in abortion. Amen. Praise God. All the other political junk going on, you better vote Bible. Amen. You better stand with what God says is true. One man, one woman for a lifetime. Amen. How in the world can a government say that men should be with men and ladies be with ladies? As I said, I've never seen a man that I wanted to kiss like I want to kiss my wife. Amen. Praise I've never seen another woman I want to kiss because if I did, I'd be dead. Amen. She'd kiss, she just hit me with a frying pan upside the head. Amen. But anyway, all right, let's stop meddling and get to preaching. Mark chapter 6. Yesterday was fantastic i tell you what, that was a delicious supper. I wanted to go back, but everybody would think I was a hog, so I didn't. And so I just, boy, it was good. It was good. That was great. Amen. I'm telling you what, uh, my son, Brother Jason, said that we wouldn't be American if you didn't like um, uh, the uh, tacos or whatever they have. What do they call them? Fritos. No. Nachos. Nachos. Amen. Nacho. It's more like a, it was more like a, uh, uh, um, Ta I mean, a Mexican salad. What do you call those? Taco salad, okay. <laughs> Y'all pray for me. I have really lost my mind this morning. I tell you what, I'm having a hard time with all the... It was like a taco salad. I'm tell you, I just want to commend the uh, uh, vision class for jumping in there and serving and the parents of the youth. And everybody had a smile on their face. Uh, Brother Armin was telling jokes while we got our lettuce. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't ask for anything better, amen? He was, he was making it fun just getting the lettuce, amen? So it was just a wonderful day. I love to see the church in action. If you're not involved in serving the Lord, you're missing everything, amen? I sit next to Brother Chris, and all of a sudden he, he gets up, and he's gone. And I look over there, and he's serving ice cream on the ice cream bar. It had been in pouring down rain all day, him and Rock uh, visiting the bus route in the pouring down rain. I was glad I had something to do inside. And I thought, praise God, he's serving the Lord and enjoying it, amen? And I, and I got to eat his taco salad while he was up there. No, not really. 
I thought about it, praise God, I looked at it, amen, it was mounded up about this big, so, you know, if you're not serving the Lord with joy, something's wrong in your life, you need to get involved in the church, we're not just pew warmers, we're pew fillers, amen, and a lot of us are filling the pew more because of the taco salad, but I want to tell you something, get involved in God's work, do it with joy, man, go out in the pouring down rain and visit these poor kids uh, on the bus route, it'll bless your heart, amen, let's don't be fair weather Baptists, okay, anyway. Mark chapter 6, I want to preach on something that uh, the Baptist church is guilty of in the midst of studying the Baptist doctrines. The Baptist doctrines are very important, they're biblical doctrines. We had three people walk out of the Morningside last, last Sunday, but three more came back, amen. Uh, we don't apologize for being Baptist. You say, well, if you wasn't Baptist, what would you be? I'd be ashamed. Come on, amen. I want to tell you something, if there's anything close to the Bible, I'll be it. I'm not a Baptist brider. I don't think just Baptists are going to heaven. But I'll tell you something. There'll be a lot of people that'll get to heaven and say, well, I guess I was secure after all, praise God. I was worried about losing my salvation the whole time. No, you ain't going to lose your salvation. You can lose the joy of it and the fellowship of it. But I'm glad I'm Baptist by conviction. I'm also independent Baptist. That was a good Sunday school lesson on being independent. Amen. No hierarchy. No hate. No uh, overseer is going to come down from Cleveland and tell me i got to leave after three years. Because it's easier for him to tell me to leave than for me to leave, amen. I, I don't have nobody tell me except God. Now, y'all told me two or three times to leave, but I ain't left anyway. Pray, I'm going to stay right here. No, y'all hadn't really. Y'all, y'all never tried to run me off. I probably run some of you off, but I didn't mean to, amen. Thank God for the church, amen. Thank the Lord for it, and I thank God for you. You are the church. Standing on the Word of God, uh, Mark chapter 6, let me make a couple of Quick analysis, pray for Miss Eva. She lost her dear sister suddenly to a heart attack last Sunday afternoon at 4.30. They're still in grief, I'm sure. Pray for Miss Becky Thomas. She'll have a hip replacement in the morning at 9 o'clock. Brother Thomas look a little lonely this morning, but he'll be all right. She's watching probably by way of internet. And Pray for Brother uh, Donald. He's having eye surgery. He's going to get some 20-20 vision in both eyes. And he's not worried about the surgery, he's worried about the ride home with Jerry driving, amen? Because he can't backseat drive, amen? He won't be able to see a thing, praise God. So anyway, and uh, thank God for Miss Dennis being here. I appreciate her so much. And I appreciated Brother Gene Dennis. Every time I preached on the second coming, he was the first one to shake my hand and say, we need more preachers preaching on the second coming. I said, praise God, amen? So pray for Miss Trudy's mom, and I know that you are. And uh, I know it's, 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 it's a tough time. You know, one of the worst things you can do is take each other for granted. But the very worst thing you can do is take God for granted. And that's what happened in this passage. Let's read it. And he, and he went from thence and came into his own country, that's Nazareth, and his disciples followed him. And when, he, when the Sabbath was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things and what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. They were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and his own house. 
and he could there do no mighty work save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went around about the villages teaching. You may be seated as I pray. And ushers, whatever you do, don't let it get too hot in here because people sleep during my sermons when they get cozy. And as hard as y'all worked yesterday, some of y'all look tired before I even start. We had flood problems before we even started yesterday. It wasn't a youth fault. But I want to tell you something, it was a great meeting. Father, thank you for this meeting. We can't go on the enthusiasm and the crowd and the people packed in here yesterday. We've got to go today and worship you and praise you and thank you and acknowledge who you are. And God, help us never, never to take you for granted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I often tell a story that I don't have time to tell because I wanted to use a little of my time for sanctity of life because I'm going to tell you something, the unborn will appreciate it. Amen. Somebody let you live, say amen. But I want to say this, friend, one of the greatest sins that we could ever commit is taking our mate for granted. And I tell this story about the common cold of seven years, how he, you know, is precious to her and goes out and gets her stuff. Then about the seventh year, he says, why don't you stop sneezing you're going to give everybody pneumonia. And they digress through this little story that I don't have time to tell about taking each other for granted. It's called the seven-year cold marriage. But I want to tell you something, friend. If you're not careful, you'll take God for granted. I'd like to title this message, Underestimating the Lord Jesus Christ. Underestimating the Lord Jesus Christ. We find in this text he's returning to Nazareth. And I want to tell you something, friend. He was there before, as recorded in Luke chapter 4. And I want to tell you something. He preached in the synagogue a tremendous opportunity he had to preach in his hometown. A lot of times a prophet is without honor in his own hometown. They take each other for granted. Like growing up in this church, you'll take each other for granted. But in Luke chapter 4, he preached a tremendous message He because everybody had a chance to read and share what was on the heart, and then he, he preached out of Isaiah, Luke 4, verse 18, and it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, and recovering of the, of the sight to blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised. Now they like that. They like that benevolent preaching, that nice preaching. But he said, folks, I want to preach the gospel, number one. Before the healing is the gospel. That tells me that the most uh, wonderful miracle on this earth is salvation. What does it profit a man if he gets healed of cancer and goes to hell? What does it profit a man if he, if he gets uh, uh, some kind of uh, needs met all through this life and then he dies and goes into eternity without Christ? And then, then he really got controversial in verse 19 of Luke chapter 4, just giving you a background of his first visit, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, and he closed the book, <laughs> uh, Isaiah, and he gave it again to the minister, and he sat down, and the eyes of all them in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now, folks, he was saying, hey, I am the fulfillment. Now, that made them mad as wet-setting hens, whatever that is. That was a South Georgia term 
that I caught, and I don't know exactly what it means, but it sounds pretty mad. And, I, and, and these folks were so mad at him. I want you to look at verse 28, Luke chapter 4. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, mad at the preacher, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Luke chapter 4, verse 29. And rose up and thrust him out of the city. Now listen. And led him into the brow of the hill whereon their city was built that they might cast him down headlong. But he passing through the midst of them went his way. I want to tell you something, friend. He made them so mad that they put, took him out to the edge of a cliff and was going to throw him over the cliff because they didn't like his preaching. Now, folks, that's taking somebody for granted. But I want to tell you the love of God is he came back to that same town. Amen. He came back to the same place. I mean, one year later, Jesus arrives in Nazareth. He's not greeted by a crowd. He's probably ignored by the crowd. And, and then in the synagogue, it's his chance again. And I want to tell you something, friend. He begins to preach in verse 2 and 3 and 4. And I want to tell you something. The reaction was shocking. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. I love response. I don't preach for response, but I believe that amen in the, in the house of God is okay because it's scriptural. I believe nodding ahead and coming back up. I believe a smile. I believe a lean forward. I believe listening is appropriate in the house of God. And there's a lot of pressure on a preacher after hours of preparation and if he preaches to a dead crowd, it is hard teaching. It's hard preaching. I'm going to tell you something, but folks, you don't preach for the reaction or response. You preach for him. But I will say this. I believe that it's just as important for the lister, listener to be anointed by the Spirit of God as it is the transmitter. Amen. I mean, folks, I can preach a message, the same message, one place, and it's dead as a door. Now, I can preach a the same message in another place and it's received with great glory and praise and response and souls being saved, altar full. And what's the difference? I thought it was me. I always blame myself. Man, I must have been off. I must have been in the flesh. But I want to tell you something, friend. Jesus is the preacher here and they're offended by his preaching. So there wasn't no amens. There wasn't no nods. There wasn't no smiles. There wasn't anything. There wasn't even a... Uh, turning of the scroll to see what he was going to preach next because first of all I want you to notice in verse 2 the people were shocked by his preaching you're taking notes they were shocked by his preaching look at verse 2 Mark chapter 6 and when the Sabbath day was come he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished saying from whence has this man these things and what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. Folks, the Bible says they were astonished. And that word uh, in, in the Greek means they were seized with panic. They were struck with alarm. They actually were filled with fear, but they were filled with anger. Folks, I want to tell you something. Preaching always gets response if you're listening. You either like it or you don't like it. You either get with it or you don't get with it. You either respond or rebel when it comes to the preaching. 
There's something powerful about the Word of God. It puts you at a fork of a road where you must make a decision. Amen? You can't just listen to the Word of God and say, well, that was passe. That was just great. I'm going home. Good lecture. Hallelujah. Been used to it before. That's what's wrong with us today. We've done got used to worship. We've got used to preaching. Folks, there's some people that give their life to be in a service like this. There's some people that don't have a Bible. They have to smuggle it in. There's some people that's given their lives for the preaching of the Word of God around the world. And we come in sometimes and take it for granted. And we look like a mule looking at a new gate. Amen. And we look. the only motion we have is this. He got 15 minutes. I ain't got 15 minutes. I never stopped at 12 in my life. Not that it's wrong to stop at 12. Some of you other short preachers do it. But I want to say this. First of all, they were underestimating his words. He didn't speak as a local rabbi. But the Bible said he spoke with compassion and authority. He spoke the word of God. And folks, I want to tell you something. When he spoke, it was the word speaking. Then number two, they they were astounded by his wisdom when he spoke his words were filled with wisdom i mean truth and then they were astounded and offended by his works somewhere somehow and this is always a case they didn't have tv or anything like that they didn't have internet can you believe that they didn't have internet in the bible days what would we do without the internet god help us they were they were uh, they were offended by his works somewhere somehow they'd realize and heard about all the miracles. And the people of Nazareth could not believe what they were hearing. And folks, it's the same way today. You know, folks, when you when the claims of the Bible is this. All people have sinned. People don't want to hear that. <clears throat> hey, listen. Uh, nobody wants to be diagnosed as a sinner going to hell. But I want to tell you something. When I go to the doctor, I don't want him to put Vaseline on a cancer. I want him to diagnose it and get it out. Say amen. I want him to be extremely honest about my condition. I don't want him to be feel, making me feel good. I don't want him to make me feel uh, acceptable. I'm not there for a sweet conversation. I'm there for the truth. And folks, people don't want to know the truth. The truth is, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then unconverted sinners are going to hell. And folks, a lot of people are offended by that. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, for the wage of sin is death. It didn't say uh, the wage of sins. It said sin. And the word word singular because it's the sin of unbelief. That's what astounded the Lord. He marveled about this unbelief. Then third of all, the only way to be saved from sin uh, and its penalty is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 4, 12. See, we're self-sufficient humans. A lot of times we want to work our way out of problems. Well, I'm going to tell you, there's one place you can't work your way out of, and that's sin, and that's death, and that's hell. Folks, you can't, well, there's no ladder to heaven out of hell. There's only a cross, amen? Boy, the teachers are going up and down the hallway this morning, and right at the first of Sunday school, one little lady got, one little student got saved, and they were going up and down the hall rejoicing with each other about somebody getting saved. Now, I don't think that's half bad, do you? Amen? I think teachers ought to get excited about somebody being saved. And if you don't get excited about somebody getting saved, why don't you check up and see if you're saved? Because, folks, I know what they're getting in. And I know what they're getting out of. 
And that's a bondage and sin and a road to hell. Folks, all other religions of the world are false religions if they don't preach the gospel. That offends people. Whoa! Hey, man, I'm a Catholic and proud of it. I'm a, mes- uh, a Methodist, I almost said Mesotelian. Uh, I'm a Presbyterian, a Whiskopalian or whatever, and you better not tell me I'm wrong. See, there's pride right there. Folks, I want to tell you what's a good Baptist church. Preach against sin, preach against going to hell, and preach against false religions. Amen? And preach against worldliness. I like that I like that separated preaching yesterday. I believe we ought to look different when we come in the house of God. I believe we ought to act different. Praise God. I think we ought to know this is a different place. This ain't no nightclub. This is no entertainment center. This is the house of God. And I believe you, you show irreverence when you come in the house of God shod casually. I believe that. You can say, oh, you're old-fashioned. Yes, I am. I've been here 41 years. I guess I am. I'm very old-fashioned. And you're in an old-fashioned Baptist church that has convictions based on the Word of God. And if it offends you, buddy, you need to get right with God. Amen. Folks, listen, we need straight preaching, compassionate preaching, like Jesus preached. Amen. Folks, I want to tell you something. If you was a scribe in that day, he'd, 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 he'd ring your bell. He'd call you a whited sepulcher. He'd call you an empty dish or bowl. He'd call you... Uh, A child of hell. Jesus said that. Amen. I didn't say that. Jesus did. But if I can find out where it is, I'll read it. Amen. Folks, the courage to preach is from this word. This Bible tells us that we're all sin and come short of the glory of God. And it offends a lot of people. Let me just say this, friend. The only way to be saved is the Lord Jesus Christ. John 10, 9 says, I am the door, not a door. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, not a way. I am the life, I'm not a life. And I am, thank God, I'm the truth. And he is the truth. So first of all, folks, people were that day when he came back to his hometown was shocked by his preaching. Number two, the people stumbled over his person. They stumbled over his person. Look at verse 3. And not, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? Of Judah and Simon, uh, his sisters here with us, and they were offended at him. They rejected not only the message he was preaching, but they rejected the messenger. He says he's just a carpenter. I've learned to appreciate carpenters. You ever tried to build something? I was looking out the other day at a doghouse me and Pappy built, and I said, man, alive, we could have done a better job on that. I mean, the door's kind of slanted. The roof's still on. It don't leak. For some reason, the dogs don't trust going in there. I guess they think it's going to fall on them. But Pappy and I, we did our best we could. We were back there building that doghouse. Pretty big doghouse. A crummy-looking doghouse. But anyway, he was just a carpenter. But he wasn't just that kind of carpenter. He was a carpenter that built plows and yokes, ox yokes and tables and chairs maybe beds, they saw him as a lowly craftsman. And here he is coming back saying, hey, I'm the way, the truth, and life. They were offended. The word offended means they were repelled. They abandoned to a point of abandonment. And folks, they resorted to ridicule. Now folks, ridicule is the final refuge of a small mind. I want to tell you something, folks. A lot of people have trouble, but they don't need you uh, criticizing them while you're in trouble. And while they're in trouble. Folks, I want to tell you something. The best thing to do is try to encourage somebody. 
But sometimes the encouragement comes through the truth. So the people that day rejected the notion of Jesus' supernatural birth. They said, is not he the son of Mary? Isn't he just a carpenter? Then they list his brothers. Same thing happened in John chapter 8. Would you turn there, please, John chapter 8? They didn't understand this. You need to get a hold of this. The Bible says in John chapter 8, and I want you to look at verse 56. It says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. So Jesus is referring back to Genesis 22, where, where the Lord saw himself and Abraham saw him and Isaac saw him. You better be glad that Isaac was glad to saw him as the substitute, the sacrificial lamb, the lamb of God, the eternal lamb of God. He said, he said in verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced to see me, see my day, and he saw it and was glad. He saw the Lord, the lamb. He saw the lamb of God. Not just that ram, he saw the lamb. But look what their reaction was in verse 57. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty, he was thirty, years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? How could you say you've seen Abraham and Abraham's seen you? <clears throat> Look at verse 58. And Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. You know I love serving the Lord? He's the I am. He's not the I was, and he's not the I was going to be. He is the I am. I am present tense. He is, amen, the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But before he's rewarded of them that diligently seek him, he just is. He is. I heard a good black preacher, Brother Nathan. You give me a lot of good tapes a lot of times. You probably heard this one. On the isness of God by black, a black preacher. You ever heard a black preacher preach? Woo, man, I'm telling you what. They're eloquent, and they're long, and they, they miss lunch. And I thank God for it. Makes me look better when I, we coast in about 1230. But I want to tell you something, friend. He is. He is, he is the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's, not, he, he's nothing less than the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he's always there. Amen. I am. And he said, <laughs> hey, he said, listen, I am. Boy, that stirred them up again. And folks, that offended them again. So they were, they were, they were. They were offended by his message, but they were offended by the messenger. Look at verse 2 back in our text real quick, and I'll try to wrap this up close. Amen. A clock went out, y'all. I, I feel free. But anyway, uh, keep it off, Brother Cody. I'm feeling, I'm, feel, I'm feeling the wind pass by, amen, with the breath of God. Amen. Something happened to our back screen. That's wonderful. We'll get another one. But look at this. Luke, all you that are... Watch conscious, you'll be sure we get another clock up there, I guarantee you. But look at, uh, look at verse 2. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Isn't that something? He's teaching. Many hearing him astonished, saying, From hence has this man these things. They couldn't find the source. Folks, they, they were, it was contemptible then. Listen, uh, you, can, you can hear the contempt in their voice. From whence has this man these things? And what wisdom is, is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Now, they couldn't deny his miracles, but they sure were trying to deny his message. And, folks, I want to tell you something. The greatest miracle of all is that Jesus came to us and that he is always the I Am. Amen. 
folks, folks, the contempt that day. People seem to have the same trouble today. You know, when people, you know, they don't have a problem with a little baby Jesus in a manger. I mean, even heathens have uh, manger scenes, and religion, they're ate up with that manger scene. But I want to tell you something, friend. They really get offended when it's a virgin-born manger scene. They just can't handle that. And then people seem to have a little trouble with Jesus going place to place, preaching messages of peace and healing and acceptance and like a, like a philosopher. They don't have trouble with that. But boy, I'll tell you what, when he starts preaching, I'm the only way and I'm the only Savior, they can't handle that. Hey, people have no problem with a dead Jesus hanging on a cross even as a sacrificial martyr. But folks, when you hear the, somebody preach, he's alive and he arose and he overcame death, hell, and the grave, they can't handle that. And I want to tell you something, folks. You need to handle it. And you need to let God handle your heart when you hear the truth because, folks, listen, there's a baby in a manger, but he's not, he, didn't, he didn't come from that manger scene. There's a dead man on the cross, but he didn't stay dead. Praise God. I'm going to tell you something, and he's coming again. Amen. The Lord's coming soon, and folks, it ought to get you excited, not offended. And folks, listen, Jesus is coming, and whosoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And so what do we believe? Well, the absolute truth is we believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says he humbled himself and became of no reputation. And was obedient, even obedient unto death. And then it goes on to say in the end of that passage, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Then we believe Jesus Christ is born of a virgin. We believe that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. We believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins on the cross on a hill called Calvary. And we believe that Jesus was raised again from the dead. And we believe that Jesus is coming again. And he could come any minute. And folks, that's our message. That's our message. But we also believe He is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no other way, and there's no other truth, and there is no other life except through Jesus Christ. If that offends you, you need to get saved. You need to get a conviction that you need Jesus, and He's the only way. Then last but not least, the people were shunned, began to shun His power. In verse 4 it says, But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and his own house. And he could, he could there do no mighty works, say that he laid his hands upon a, a few sick folks and healed them. And then he marveled, now listen to this, because of their unbelief. And he went around the villages teaching. Let me close by saying this. They treated Jesus like one of their own. I think Brother Jack said this in Sunday school, familiarity breeds contempt, and it does. Don't ever get so used to holy things that you treat God as just some servant of yours. Some, so you, don't, you treat this word as just some book. Well, let me just say it even more boring, some lecture. I used to hate college because they had these long lectures. And I guess I got ADD, HDH, or something, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what I got. But I'll tell you what, I had a hard time sitting through these long lectures. I like participation. I like discussion because it keeps me awake, say amen. But folks, this is not a lecture. 
this is not just a book. This is not a college course for you to pass. This is the infallible, inerrant, inspired dynamite of the Word of God that's being preached this morning. And you ought to get excited about it. You ought, to, you ought to crack a grin about it at least, amen. You ought to thank God for the rough week you had. God was still with you, amen. And he'll be with you tomorrow. They treated him just like they were, he was on their level. A lot of people grow up in a church and they take them for granted. And folks, for this health and wealth crowd on TV, this cult of prosperity, People who have embraced that prosperity cult doctrine believe that only God responds to your faith. Well, let me tell you something, friend. If you have enough faith, they believe you'll be healed of everything and you'll have plenty of money. Uh, they even got a preacher on TV called Clef Old Dollar. Did he change his name to be called Dollar? Good night. And he was, he was trying to raise $65 million for a private jet the other day. And some people were given to that junk. Say amen. Now he was healing in the name of Jesus for another dollar. But I'll tell you this, friend. If you have faith, uh, you can enjoy endless health and endless wealth and endless blessings. You're holding God captive to your will. Folks, he can do what he wants to. Who, to whom he wants to. Anytime he wants to. But let me just say on the, on the other side of it, if you don't have faith, you're going to miss it. Whatever God has for your life, you're going to miss it. And folks, you need to believe that He is the Son of God, that He is the Word of God is the Word of God, and that He has power that's beyond you and beyond me. God's best blessings is not healing, but it's grace when there isn't no healing. God's best blessing is not multiplying your loaves and fish, but it's folks meeting the need and deep in your soul for spiritual rest. Because you might lose everything you have, including your health, but if you have Jesus, one day you're going to heaven. Amen. And before you get there, you got heavenly peace, purpose, and power. Amen. Folks, the greatest work of God is His saving, sealing, securing of your soul. Salvation is the greatest miracle of all. Father, thank you for the message this morning. God, thank you that who you are. And God, thank you, dear God, that we were saved by grace plus nothing minus nothing because we put faith and trust in thee. Lord, help us never to underestimate you. Lord, I, I, I see these words that you marveled about their unbelief. And the only other time that you marveled was in Luke chapter 7. You used that word, you marveled in the centurion's faith. Oh, God, help us not to be guilty of unbelief. Help us not to turn a deaf ear. God, help us not to show up at church and say, I've heard that before, and have that take it or leave it attitude. But God, may we never lose the wonder of it all. We can worship you in spirit and truth. We can come to the house of God and hear the infallible, inspired Word of God and preserved Word of God. God, may we realize that we have a part in preaching in this church, and that's listening, and that's responding. And God, half of every sermon is the atmosphere of expectancy. God, forgive me sometimes for getting up here
and not expecting you to do something, not expecting you to, Lord, work, not expecting you to change hearts, not expecting you to speak, even though when I don't feel like speaking. God, forgive me for taking you for granted. And forgive the Baptist church that believes just right, but sometimes takes you for granted and doesn't expect miracles in their life. God, help us not to treat you like those Nazarenes treated you and shun your message and be shocked at your message. But Lord, to take for granted the message. 